Well, good afternoon, uh, Grace Fellowship Church. Glad to be able to join with you uh, this afternoon in uh, Pastor's Andy, Pastor Andy's absence. Uh, and I always am honored to be able to uh, serve alongside Pastor Andy in some form or fashion, uh, even in his absence here today. It's an honor to be able to serve and to be able to open God's Word with you. I trust that you will grab a copy of the Bible and uh, turn to Acts chapter 13, Acts chapter 13, I do encourage you to have God's Word in some form or fashion open there in front of you. It just makes it a lot easier to follow along with the sermon uh, if you have God's Word open before you. I'm always impressed uh, with uh, Grace Fellowship, with your, uh, with your heart for missions, uh, even as Joshua was praying, uh, praying for the believers around the world. And uh, that is an area, no doubt, that uh, our church encounter can grow in, is, Lord, teach us to have a heart for foreign missions, right, beyond just our city limits. And I'm always encouraged by that. And this morning, to some extent, uh, we're going to be dipping in and seeing uh, how the Apostle Paul and Barnabas and John Mark are going to be sent on uh, what we might consider maybe that early foreign mission trip on one of his first of three missionary journeys. So there in Acts chapter 13, we'll be looking at the first five verses. Uh, So go ahead and follow along with me as I read from God's Word, uh, starting there in verse 1. It says, now, actually, let let me back up to the end of verse 12. That kind of gives us a little bit more of a runway. It says, when Barnabas and Saul had finished their mission, it says they returned from Jerusalem, taking with them John, also called Mark. Now, in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them, and they sent them off. And the two of them, sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, went down to Seleucia and sailed from there to Cyprus. Uh, we're we're, we're kind of jumping in, all right? Andy, as he asked me uh, to preach uh, for him this morning, he said I could just preach uh, some of what, maybe one of the sermons that at Encounter that we've been going through. And over the last four months, we've been traveling through the book of Acts with a sermon series titled, we are witnesses. Now, I know some of us, right? You're, so we're, you're going to, I'm going to be inviting you into this sermon series, kind of mid-sermon. It's like, it's like jumping into a movie or a television show halfway in, right? And so a little bit, I'll try to catch you up, maybe some on some, a little bit on some of the finer details of it. But what we've been finding is that in the book of Acts, one of these themes that runs throughout is the emphasis on our responsibility as serving as witnesses to the work of Jesus Christ, ultimately through the resurrection, right? You'll remember that early on in the book of Acts, the instruction is given, you will be my witnesses, right? Jesus tells them, 
He says, that's your responsibility. And then if you read the book of Acts, you will, you will see how it is referred to on numerous occasions, the role of these early witnesses, especially those eyewitnesses of a risen Savior, of his resurrection, and how it was their responsibility to disperse this good news of Jesus Christ uh, to everyone they met. And I've been, I've been personally challenged by this, as I've even considered and evaluated my own life. Right? How often am I sharing with other people the good work that Christ has done in my life because of his resurrection, because he's alive, because he's living today? How often do I step into sharing that good news with others? So I've been encouraged through this. Now, up to this point in our study of the book of Acts, a lot of the witnessing uh, has, has, has been the result of persecution. Uh, as Joshua even just prayed, praying for those churches around the world in places like North Korea and China and other places that are certainly are heavily persecuted. Well, we see here in the book of Acts that as those witnesses went about and started telling people and saying, hey, Jesus is alive. I saw him with my own eyes. His, he's risen from the dead. As they, start, as, they were, as they were doing that, that there were those who were opposed to that message and that they began to persecute uh, these believers. Uh, the, pers- the persecution even resulted in the death of Stephen, if you'll remember, right? That first martyr. And after that, especially, the saints began to scatter away from Jerusalem. And even through this scattering, these saints were, they were still sharing this good news of Jesus' resurrection, but they weren't necessarily doing it in, a, in an intentional, missional way of, hey, I'm going to go tell, tell people over in this city about Jesus, and, and so let's right, have a mission trip there. Instead, they were, they were more concerned about saving their souls, saving their own lives at that point in time, and along the way, they were sharing the good news of Jesus. Well, here we find in chapter 13, what we find here is that this is uh, this first almost intentional sending of missionaries, right? In a very similar way that Pastor Andy yesterday got on a plane and he is being sent and you as a church are supporting him and getting behind him in that endeavor, we see here that these two men in particular who are mentioned, Saul or Paul and Barnabas, uh, they are chosen out of these ranks of these pastors here, these elders of this congregation, and they are instructed to be sent. We almost see, it almost seems as if there was even a suddenness to this sending, doesn't it? That, that as these guys are, are, are gathering around, as they're praying, as they're going about their pastoral duties, the Holy Spirit lays on their heart, and all of a sudden, right, all the fingers are pointing towards Saul and Barnabas. And I can only imagine what their response must have been like. Who, who us, right? Me? This morning, I want us to consider this sending opportunity here And I want us to consider uh, the importance of being prepared to be sent. 
Again, there is a suddenness to this. I do wonder, did Paul on this particular morning, did he wake up and think, you know what, after, by, by, by nightfall, before I go to bed, I will have a commission that I'm going to be starting on my way and start sailing all over the place and taking the good news of Jesus' resurrection around. I, it seems, again, there's a suddenness, and sometimes, oftentimes, God even works in that way in our hearts. The title of this afternoon's sermon is to be ready to be sent. Right? What if you did get that, that call or that commission today? Would you be ready? Would you be ready to say, here I am, Lord, send me? Are you ready to be sent So this morning, I want us, or this afternoon rather, I want us to look here at this passage and I want us to all, by the end of this sermon, I'm hoping that we can all come to an understanding of, of based on this text, based on this passage, what does it look like to be ready to be sent? We should be ready. The big idea for those of you who are taking notes, many of you I know are, the big idea for this afternoon's sermon is that we should be ready to go when and where the Lord sends you. We should be ready to go where and or when and where the Lord sends you. So this and there's like a a good sermon, right? There's several points to my to my outline here this afternoon. In fact, there's four points. Typically, it's a three point sermon. So you get a, a bonus point this afternoon. The first point is this, is that we should recognize the importance of regular and ordinary church practices. Again, so right now what we're doing, what, what our conversation, what our sermon this afternoon is going to be is, is what preparations can I do now so that I can be ready so that if, if the Lord would lead in such a way that he would call me in even a sudden fashion, that I would be ready to be sent. And so we're going to talk about some of those practices now. But the first one is is that we should recognize the importance of regular and ordinary church practices. In Acts chapter 13, it provides us with a glimpse into the life of the early church. Right, Luke, who's the author of the book of Acts, he highlights the important practices of these pastors, as five of these elders are mentioned by name, he mentions some of these early practices that they had, as well throughout the course of the book of Acts, we see other ordinary and regular church practices that the church took part in. And we see here in this text, we see that they were studying God's word. They understood the importance of studying God's word. It talks about the importance of them worshiping or ministering there in verse 2. It says, while they were worshiping the Lord. We also, that, that's also the understanding of being involved in serving or ministry. Because ultimately, when we serve other people or when we minister to other people, we are worshiping the Lord in that. And so we see the, the value of studying God's word. We see the value of worshiping or ministering to the Lord. They also mentioned the practice of fasting there in the early church. And then as well, throughout this book, we see the importance of prayer. Now, those are four ordinary and regular practices that not only did the early church take part in, but we should take part in as well. And those practices are a means of preparing us to be ready to be sent. 
Then again, I'm, I am, I'm highlighting the fact that these are regular and, dare I say, ordinary practices. Because I'm often reminded that most of the Christian life and the life of the church body is defined by regular and ordinary. Right? That pra- these are practices that we regularly we enter into day after day, week after week, Sunday after Sunday. And oftentimes we forget that even in these regular and ordinary practices, there is a long-term effect that is taking place on our hearts. That God very well might be preparing us to be ready to be sent. For example, I am sustained, for me personally, and I'm sure the same is probably true for each of us in here. I am sustained, typically, by ordinary meals. Okay? Most of the meals that I eat... Now, my wife is a fantastic cook. All right? This is not any slight against her. But most of the meals I eat are rather normal. In fact, rarely do I remember what I ate for lunch last week, almost let alone yesterday, or even for breakfast this morning, if I even took time to eat breakfast. I don't know. But I know it sustained me because I'm, I'm still here, right? I've not withered away. I'm, 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 I'm still here. Each day, I eat ordinary and regular meals with confidence, knowing that it's going to contribute to my good health or to good health. See, we live in a time in which we have the tendency to want the spectacular, right? We're always anticipating the new and improved. We're always believing that the next show down the road is going to be better or more beneficial. But we forget that the ordinary practices have a way of of preparing us for what God has in mind for us. Much of our lives and indeed the activity of the church is defined by ordinary practices. And so we see here part of being ready to be sent is accepting that reality. That we should be involved in some of these ordinary and regular practices. The first one I've mentioned to you already. All right, I've mentioned to you four, four of them. The, the first one is studying God's word. We see here that a list of prophets and teachers is mentioned. And, and so we understand there's an important role of proclaiming and explaining God's word. That prophets, of course, in this day of of the book of Acts, prophets would have played a very important role in this season of the church because you didn't have the completion of scriptures yet like we do today. And it remains important and necessary for God's word to be taught and explained. It's important for God's word to be listened to, to sit under the teaching of God's word. Because little by little, God's word has a way of shaping our lives, of shaping our hearts. Probably, at least it's the case for Encounter, for our church, most sermons are rag- rather ordinary and regular. <laughs> right? There, every, every sermon is not a quote-unquote home-run sermon. It's just typical. But in the same way that a piece of sandpaper that's time and time again taken over a block of wood with that repetition, 
you're able to shape that block of wood into something beautiful. God uses the regular and ordinary practice of studying his word to shape you. And to prepare you to be used in his service. And it very well could be around the world. Or it could be across the street. So the question is, are you preparing yourself to be ready to be sent when and where God might choose to send you? So that's the first regular practice. The second regular practice is that of serving other people. Right? It talks about how, how these, these men, they were, they were involved in worshiping the Lord. Again, I, I explained briefly that worship, it's, it's this idea of ministering to other people, this idea of serving other people. The word gives us the understanding of a person who is serving the Lord by using their gifts. This is a means of ministry to others that ultimately is offered in service to the Lord as an act of worship. The early church was using their gifts to serve each other. Members of this early church, they were rolling up their sleeves. They were taking part in the regular, ordinary practice of serving. Let's face it, many of the ministry opportunities that you and I are given each week, even every day, will never become a viral video or a hit sensation. And nor should they be. Instead, ministry is often defined through tasks that are unseen by most people. Honestly, this is what the hospitality meal is, isn't it? For some of you, you work hard in the kitchen to prepare a meal for that family who is in need or who needs encouragement. And I tell you what, church, right? There are very few things that speak to my heart than a, than a plate full of food. There's such value through that hospital, but, but it's an unseen act. Or maybe it's the ministry opportunity of dropping off or picking up someone from a doctor's appointment. That's pretty regular and ordinary, isn't it? Not, not, not a lot of excitement there. Maybe it's the regular and ordinary practice of coming early to church and even setting up the coffee. As I saw a couple of you doing that earlier today. Right? These, are, these are regular and ordinary practices that God uses to prepare us for future ministry opportunities. We also, we also know that, so, so again, so we're, we're studying God's word. Uh, another one, another um, way in which uh, we, should, we should find ourselves, and it seems that I've, I've lost a sheet of my, of my notes here, which might make it a bit exciting for all of us here, right? We'll see how good I can remember uh, this. Uh, so we have studying God's word. We have serving other people. And this is like a total uh, plane wreck here. Worshiping. Oh, fasting and prayer. Well, maybe the Lord. Well, that's probably the devil taking that one because fasting is probably one of the most difficult ones here. It talks about the importance of fasting and prayer. We see these men. What are they doing? 
they're stepping in and they're fasting and they're praying. Again, now, now we, there's no prescription as far as how often we should fast, is there? In fact, Jesus, though, instead, he just says, when you do fast. Right? Fasting is our way of saying no to some of the pleasures of this world, right? of fattening our bellies so that our souls might also be fattened and nourished. So the instruction here, again, so, so it's serving other people, it's, it's ministry, it's studying God's word, it's fasting, and then also one of these very regular and ordinary practices is that of prayer. At our church, we have a, a monthly prayer meeting on the first Wednesday of the month. Like, there's a lot of other exciting things in this world that sometimes captures our attention, isn't there? And honestly, at times, prayer, for some people, might seem to be rather ordinary and regular. Can I even add, for some people, it can sometimes seem rather boring at times, right? Do you, do you ever find that to be the case sometimes? But again, what do we see? We see here in the early church, they were going to the Lord in prayer. Just, just, uh, just a few chapters previous, right? When, when Peter was hauled off into prison. And you remember the angel, he, he brought Peter out of prison. Remember, through that, Peter thought he was seeing a vision. But it was in, it was in real life. It was in real time. What, where did Peter, what, where did Peter, Peter go and, and what did he happen upon, right? He went to the home where the church was doing what? They were praying, right? And, and that is such almost a comical scene, isn't it? If you remember that account, that Peter shows up, he starts knocking on the gate and, little, and, and Rhoda comes to the door. She can't believe it's him and so she, she goes in and tells the other and meanwhile, Peter is left outside in the street still knocking on the door and it reminds me of like a three stooges scene almost where everyone's trying to figure it can't be peter yeah it is peter but no but he's at the door and so just all of these different interactions going on but we see there within the early church what did they do they were continually praying they were praying to the lord and they were going to him in prayer so so this this first one here is that we should recognize the importance of these regular and these ordinary practices within the church. Next we see, and so again, so, that, so that's it. Take part in these, these regular and ordinary practices if we're going to be ready to be sent out. The next one is, is that we should, we should set our part, ourselves apart from the world. Did you notice here that what takes place, right, in verse 2, what it says, while they were worshiping the Lord and they were fasting, again, taking part in these, in these regular practices, it says, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. So this second activity that we should, that we should participate in, that we should consider if we're going to be ready to be sent, is that we should strive to set ourselves apart from the world. Now we know 
that when a person trusts in Jesus Christ positionally, right, we understand the theology. We understand the systematic theology conversation here that we've been positionally set apart in Christ Jesus, right? There's this positional placement. There's a set apartments, uh, there, there's a set apart status that we've been given. But at the same time, we've been called to a practical and a daily separation. And it's in this way that we should strive to be set apart by turning away from anything that is contrary to the mind or the will of God. Again, if, if we're going to be ready to be sent, then we should begin setting ourselves apart so that we can be ready when God sends us. It's just like my son. Well, all of my sons, my daughter too, they enjoy playing basketball. And the older ones, uh, they, they are hoping that when the next season rolls around, they'll get a little bit more playing time. Well, how does a person get more playing time when basketball season comes, right? How, how, how do you do that? You practice. Which means... Right, you have to set yourself apart from all of the other distractions, right? Students, young folks, right? If you want more playing time at the basketball court, then that means you need to set yourself apart from the video games. You need to set yourself apart from the YouTube. You need to set yourself apart from the distractions that maybe are pulling you away from that so that you can prepare yourself and be ready for that. We see here is that these pastors, they chose Guided by the Holy Spirit, they set apart Paul and Barnabas for this specific task. And my encouragement to us is let's not wait for that specific call to be setting ourselves apart for the Lord's service. In other words, we should stop compromising with evil. We should stop dabbling in sin. We should stop making excuses for our negligence in the pursuit of holiness. That for all of us, we should strive to be set apart from the world in our desires, in our actions, in our motives. I even right, think about your life even now. Right? If, if we're going to be ready to be sent, right? are you practicing a life of setting yourself apart? What about your entertainment choices? Right, think about that. Are you set apart in your entertainment choices? Honestly, I am, sometimes I am just dumbfounded at some of the entertainment choices that we as followers of Jesus Christ are willing to allow to influence our hearts and our minds. And that we should be concerned about that. And we should set ourselves apart. Are you set apart in your relationships with those people, with those individuals who, are, who you're allowing to to influence and speak into your life? Are they pointing you to Jesus? Or are they taking you away from Him? Are you set apart in your thoughts? 
Right? What does your mind tend to dwell on? Are you set apart in your words or your motives? Are you set apart in your ambitions? I'm reminded in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, the promise that we were created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And I think about this, right? That God has specific ministry tasks in mind for each of us. And this being the case, it should be our every endeavor to strive more and more to be set apart so that we're ready when God says, Here's an opportunity. In fact, our effectiveness in taking the gospel to the world requires that we be set apart from the world and set apart unto the Lord. We should not expect God to set us apart for greater ministry service tomorrow if we're not willing to set ourselves apart from the world in this day, today. So we see to be ready, to be sent whenever or wherever God might do that, might call us. It says, set these men apart. And then the third point that we can gather from this is that we should seek to know God's missionary heart. So the first point that we have is to practice regular and ordinary, take part in regular and ordinary practices within the church. The second point then is to set ourselves apart for God's service. And then the third one is that we should seek to know God's missionary heart. In verse 2, we read that it was the Holy Spirit who initiated this missionary endeavor. We notice it was not the apostles, right? It was not, it was not the church pastors. It wasn't the congregation. It wasn't even Barnabas and Paul. Right? They didn't raise their hand and say, hey guys, right? I think we should go. Instead, it was the doing of a missionary God, of ascending God. It was the Holy Spirit who initiated this missionary service, taking the good news of Jesus' resurrection to the Gentiles was God's idea. The Holy Spirit initiated the call, and not only did the Holy Spirit initiate the call, but it was also the Holy Spirit that Barnabas and Paul were sent out by. We see there in in verse 5 or verse 4, what does it say? It says that the two of them, they were sent on their way how? By the Holy Spirit. Right? As this first team of missionaries was sent out, they had a holy wind filling their sails. Right? They had the Holy Spirit going with them. Now, it's about a year ago that my family and I took a kind of one of those trips of a lifetime. Right? We bought this old church bus and uh, did a few modifications and renovations to it where my family was able to load up in this church bus and the church was kind enough to, it wasn't an Encounters Church bus, we bought it from a different church that was getting rid of it. And Encounter Church though gave us four weeks and we took this incredible Great American Adventure and we drove this bus all the way to the Pacific Ocean and we decided to go ahead and drive it all back, all the way back again. We thought about staying out there but decided to come home. But what was, right, there was, 
there was uh, some nervousness about driving this bus a long way from home. And what was that nervousness? You might, you, you, you might agree with such a nervousness. We, I, was, I was genuinely afraid that we'd be like up on the mountain pass of the Grand Tetons and the engine would blow or something would happen. But there is this incredible service called AAA that for $179, I could buy this, this policy of assurance that if I got stranded someplace with this big old rig, that for $179 a year, they would tow me 200 miles. So you can only imagine that in my mind, I'm constantly thinking, okay, how far will 200 miles get me? But there, but there was this incredible assurance that as I'm taking this trip, boy, I mean, like, I'm not getting paid anything for this promo spot for AAA today, but you can sign up today for, no, no, you can't. But there was this incredible, this incredible sense behind me, this assurance that, oh, AAA's got my back. So we, we read this and we think, like, Paul, Paul and Barnabas, as they're being sent, they had, they had the Holy Spirit at their back. They had God who was the one who was guiding them into this because God is a missionary. God, he, he's, he has a missionary heart. In fact, in Psalm 67, we read of God's missionary heart. Where, where the psalmist, he writes this, he says, May God be gracious to us and bless us. May he make his face shine on us so that your ways would be known on the earth. So that your salvation would be known where? Among all the nations. That the peoples would praise you. That all the peoples would praise you. So we have this understanding that, that the Holy Spirit prompts these men to all point their fingers at Paul and Barnabas and to say, men, it's time for you to go. Because that's how God is. In fact, I'm reminded of Jesus' words in Luke chapter 19 as we think about the fact that, that God is a missionary. He's a, he has a missionary heart. I consider Jesus' words in Luke 19 where it says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Or in John 20 where he commissions his disciples to go into the world and Jesus says, Peace be with you as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And then what does Jesus do? And with that, Jesus breathed on them and he said, Receive what? The Holy Spirit. He's sending them not by themselves, but with the power of the Spirit. Or we think of God's heart for missions in the nations there in Revelation chapter 7, where it gives us a glimpse that all the people from around the world will be praising God, where the Apostle John, he says, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. See, truly, God has a missionary heart, and so should every believer. And each of us, we all should be ready to be sent. 
when and wherever the Lord might call us. We should seek to align our hearts more and more with God's missionary heart. We should seek to ask God to help us become more involved in His work, again, not only across the street, but around the world. And then finally, right? what's the fourth way in which maybe we can prepare ourselves to be ready to be sent when and wherever God might send us? Is that we should support those who are currently on the mission field. We see the first verses of Acts 13. Again, if you might even call it a missionary commissioning service. We see that it was not only several individuals who were sent out on this missionary journey, but most of the, but most of the church, right, they, they were supporting, they were getting behind Paul and Barnabas. The church there in Antioch, right? While it's true that not everyone in the church is going to be set apart for missionary service, I believe that all of us should be ready to be sent if God would call us into missionary service. While it's true that not everyone in the church is going to be sent for missionary service, it is true that everyone in the church should corporately commit to standing and supporting with those who are called into missionary service. And it's there in verse 3. It tells us, So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them, and they sent them off. The believers laid hands on the two men, and it says they prayed for them. This is a picture of the church leaders and the church themselves itself coming together and letting Barnabas and Saul know that they were endorsing their ministry. That they would support their work. That they would pray for their usefulness and service to the Lord. It was the Antioch church that stepped out in an act of faith. They were willing to give away some of their key leaders. Boy, isn't that hard Believe me, church, I, I get this. this. This can be, like, if I was, I don't know who was the head honcho, right, who was in charge here, but if I'm sitting around there and I'm thinking, wait a second, you're sending who? Paul? And you're also sending, Bar- like, I really like Barnabas, Right? I mean, if there's anyone who lights up a room who is a, who's a great encouragement to my heart, it would, it's Barnabas. I, you, you mean we're supposed to send him away too? That's hard, isn't it? That is so hard. Because sometimes we can just, right? It, it's hard when you see families or people in a church And maybe God is calling them to some sort of Christian service away from your church. Man, that's hard. But in that, we have to trust the Lord. And remind ourselves that God's plans don't always revolve just around us. That he has bigger things, that he has other things in mind. And that he's going to use them elsewhere. Right, I remember as a church, uh, this was a few, a few years ago when we sent one of my best friend from childhood, a Carrie, he helped us start Encounter Church way back in 2006. And the Lord called him back to Ohio 
to, to, to help with a church up there. And that was hard. That was hard. But in that, you trust the Lord that he knows what he's doing and that, that he's, he, he's going to use those individuals. And so we see the Antioch church really is stepping out in an act of faith. Even these fledgling churches, they're stepping out in an act of faith where they're willing to give away key leaders in obedience to God. Why? For the good of others so that they too will hear the gospel. These believers in Antioch were able to think beyond themselves. And they were willing to support and stand with these men in their missionary calling to advance the gospel. So think of it this way. If God's heart is a missionary heart. And if he sets apart men and women for various specific missionary tasks. And if they're doing a work that is Holy Spirit empowered and it's backed by Jesus' authority, an authority that he has over heaven and earth, then why would we not stand with those who serve the Lord as his missionaries? You see, missionaries are participating in a work that in the timeline timeline of eternity, we may never know the end result, but we know that God is behind it and it will not fail. So church, this, this afternoon, I do ask you, right? Do you have a, cons- a care or a concern for missions? And are you even considering your own life and saying, what if God would one day call me to be a missionary? I think of some of these young folks in here, right? Students, could it be that God might call some of you into foreign missionary service. I know some of you are going on the Big Creek church, uh, trip here in a, just a, a few weeks. I wonder. I mean, that, that is a way in which you are preparing yourself. Right? That's, a, that's a missionary trip in and of itself. But God might use that in your heart to prepare you for future ministry opportunities. And so what you're doing even now, whether it's in the regular and ordinary practices of the church, of serving, of praying, of fasting, maybe maybe even through this, this sermon here this afternoon, you're thinking, boy, you know what? I do need to do a better job of setting myself apart from the worldly influences. Because those influences are having are being detrimental to me and to my service for the Lord. So maybe that could be the case for even some of you young folks in here. Do you have a care or concern for those who have never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ? Here are a few ways that maybe you can uh, just teach your soul to, uh, to, to, to really, uh, I guess, kind of align yourself with God's missionary heart or to support those who are in missionaries who are in missions, might I encourage us to read missionary biographies? All right, think about and learn more about some of those missionaries who have already gone and whose lives serve as, as an example. Parents, I would encourage you, read to your children the biographies of missionaries. 
right? Let's help our children to have heroes who are not YouTube or TikTok sensations who lived long before any of that. Another way that maybe we can support missionaries or allow our hearts to become aligned with God's missionary heart is to pray regularly for missionaries in faraway lands. At the dinner table, as you thank the Lord for the food that's sitting in front of you, to be praying for those who are serving as missionaries around the world, to make that just a regular practice. Of course, financially supporting missionaries, financially supporting sending organizations. What about watching movies about missionaries, right? A couple movies that come quickly to my mind are Beyond the Gates of Splendor. Many of you have probably seen that. The story of Jim Elliott. Or a movie closely tied to Jim Elliott being the end of the spear. The story of Nate Saint, the other, one of the other pilots. We can encourage our missionaries, sending them emails, reaching out to them, sending them letters when we can. Serving at local missionary organizations, even as I've mentioned already, supporting the students who are going on the Big Creek mission trip. Right? All of these are ways in which, in which we can be ready to be sent when and where the Lord might call us. Again, for Paul and Barnabas, I, I, I'm not exactly sure, but I'm not, I don't know if they woke up that day and said, hey, today's going to be the day God calls us into this missionary journey. And maybe today could be the day for you. In Matthew chapter 9, it says, The harvest is plentiful, the workers are few. Pray unto the Lord of the harvest to send workers. In closing, just to hear from a couple voices of some of those missionaries who were sent. Amy Carmichael was a missionary to India for 55 years. She opened an orphanage and started a mission there. And she said, God delights to meet the faith of one who looks up to God, looks up to him and says, Lord, you know I cannot do this, but I believe that you can. You might think to yourself, there's no way God would ever call me into some sort of missionary service like this. But Amy Carmichael says, that might be ripe for God's picking. Or we think of Jim Elliott. I've mentioned him earlier. Jim Elliott being a missionary to the Aka Indians in Ecuador. He and five others were killed by the Aka people. The very ones he was trying to reach. Jim Elliott was only, he was only 28 years old when he died. Elizabeth Elliott, Jim's wife, returned to Ecuador to minister to the people there. Some of the very people who killed her husband and the other missionaries. Jim Elliott said this. He said, missionaries are very human folks. Just doing what they are asked. Missionaries are a bunch of nobodies trying to exalt the somebody. And he goes on, he says, I only hope that God will let me preach to those who have never heard that name, Jesus. He says, what else is worthwhile in this life? I have heard of nothing better. Lord, send me. We should be ready to be sent when and where the Lord might call us. Would you pray with me?
Father, uh, Lord, I thank you for this time that we've had here this afternoon. I thank you for your word. I thank you for the example of these men who were willing to go uh, in obedience to you. And so, Father, I pray for your spirit, even from among us, God, that you would even call one or two of us to go and to take the good news of a risen Savior to places that have never heard it before. And so, Lord, we trust in the livingness of your word. We trust in the power of your Holy Spirit. And that you would continue to shape and mold our lives, shape and mold our hearts to respond in obedience. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.